Hi there. Hi there. That is more than 30 hi there's as part of our intro for Silhouette's JV podcast, the deepest dive into Jersey. Amazing. What can ever take? Hello, everybody. I'm Gia. And I'm David. And we are your co-hosts of this amazing Jersey Boys podcast. And we are glad to bring it to you from New York City, baby. Yes, yeah, so David is actually in work at work right now as we're recording this intro for you. <laughs> and if you are new to the show, welcome. We are so thankful that you are here. You are part of our YouTube watching family. Um, just so you know, we, because we have had more than 30 interviews published, we're actually started off our podcast with audio only. So please check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Anchor. Thank you, Anchor, for uh, for all the other episodes. Because we interviewed John Lloyd Young and co-writer and Tony Tony Winner. Rick Ellis and original Broadway cast members, members from the cruise. We got you. Production supervisor Richard Hester, music supervisor Ron Melrose. We got it all with the sun, the moon, and the stars. Roll on with the one. Okay. Yes. And tonight we are here with Richard H. Blake, Broadway legend. Everyone knows Richard H. Blake. He originated the roles of Warner Huntington III in Lily Blonde, Glenn Guglia in The Wedding Singer, Lorenzo in A Bronx Tale, and of course he had his tenure as Tommy DeVito on Broadway, as well as Hairspray, Footloose, almost every single show you can imagine. Aida, all of it. Thank you and thank you to Howard Tucker for making the connection. Yes, Howard has been wonderfully joining us on some of our episodes in season two, and you will see him tonight. Howard Tucker was a writer for the Jersey Boys blog. He is a wealth of knowledge with the history of Jersey Boys from the beginning, and we're very thankful to have him with us. And before we get started, we're actually going to give you a little bit more of a deep dive into Richard H. Blake's timeline of his theatrical works. Just and so if you know us, we're into deep dives. We're, it's the deep dive universe. The deep dive. There we go. There we go. There we go. All right. So more about Richard H. Blake. Here we go. So he made his Broadway debut in a show called Teddy and Alice in 1987, sharing the stage with Len Carrier. He then played Macduff's son in the 1988 Broadway production of Shakespeare's Macbeth, which of course starred Christopher Plummer. Rest in peace, love Christopher and Glenda Jackson. 1990, he made his TV debut on Star Search, so excited, which we'll get into, where he competed against Sutton Foster, another Broadway legend. And then from there, check this out. Roger Davis in Rent, Radames in Aida, Link Larkin Hairspray, originated Gus in Saturday Night Fever on Broadway, and then touring as Tony, come on, he originated again Glenn Gulia in The Wedding Singer, one of my all-time favorites. I love it so much. And Warner Huntington III in Lily Blonde, which of course you definitely have seen on MTV. And by the way, you can hear Richard H. Blake's rockin' tenor crooning on both of these cast recordings on Lily Blonde and The Wedding Singer. We grew up listening to him on OPC Records. Exactly. I mean, this is just such a full circle experience for us. But so before he made his way to Belleville, he spent a great deal of time in Oz. November 18th, 2008, he replaced Clifton Hall as Fierro on the first national tour until February 13th, 2011. And then he migrated from Oz to Oz, where he took over as Fierro in the Broadway production of Wicked. And then he went back to Oz, where he filled in as Fierro, replacing David Harris in the Korean production of Wicked. Richard definitely has experience with the legacy shows. Shout out to the stage management panel that we did season one, where they talk about legacy shows, check it out. 
So, and then just before joining Jersey Boys, he played Sergei, the escapologist and the entertainer in Matilda, the musical. And they even had to create a role for him in the original Broadway cast. So he was original Broadway cast. Which brings us, of course, to Jersey Boys. Cue the microphones flying up from under the stage. He played Tom DeVito. He had a nice tenure as Tommy DeVito in Jersey Boys on Broadway. And then reuniting with Sergio Trujillo, Ron Melrose, and the late Howell Blinkley, he originated the role of Lorenzo in the Broadway production of A Bronx Tale, which he also played the role in Papermill Playhouse, New Jersey, Milburn, and then went out on the first national tour of A Bronx Tale as Lorenzo, which I saw when they came to Miami at the Agent Arts Center for the Performing Arts. And that's just his career so far. You can catch him on The Bite on Spectrum right now, which is starring a slew of other Broadway stars as well. And he's also going to be performing at Green Room 42, the Yotel on 42nd and 10th, on August 27th and 28th, if you will be in New York City. And there's so much to be discussed that you, I, I can't wait for you all to see it. He did give, give us some exclusive stories, so stay tuned and we hope that you enjoy today's episode. So please raise a glass. Asalun, Silhouette Studio Podcast. Huge thank you, Nick Gerard, another Broadway Tommy DeVito and Desi Gerard for these amazing mugs. And enjoy. We'll see you later. Hey. Welcome. Have a hey, everybody. Have a What's going on? What's going on, Gio? What's going on, David? What's going on, Howard? Oh, is he is he is he is he still there? You're still there. Okay. Hey, what's <laughs> yeah. up, Howard? We got Howard going Tucker on, in the Zoom studio with us tonight, and he is going to be doing another segment of his action on our show. Howard's hits. Howard, take it away, boss. Okay. Thanks, David. Thank you, Gia. Richard, thank you, man. I have seen you so many times in Jersey Boys and a Bronx Tale, and um, each and every time you've been so gracious. But I have never interviewed you for the Jersey Boys blog. I wrote for them for a long time, but you and I never got together. Now, yeah, what the heck? I, <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I also didn't go on Broadway Plus because we're going to talk right now. On Broadway Plus, you can interview your favorite stars, including Richard. So you're saving me a nice uh, chunk of change now by uh, <laughs> talking with me right now. That's the least I could do. There you go. And each and every time we joke about it, um, I try to see you either in February, my birthday, or your birthday in May. Happy early birthday. Thank you. And um, we talk about a, um, a birthday hug. Now, you owe me about six of them with the pandemic and everything else. So um, Sounds about we gotta, right. We got to make that up. All right. So, well, um, soon. All right, man. The, the, um, world, the world is opening up again. So, you know, soon. <laughs> thankfully thankfully and um you know jersey boys is starting again too november 15th yes, hell yeah sir. hell yeah yes. looking looking forward to that now um you've been doing this obviously for a long long time and uh gia referred to star search what i remember is three and three quarter stars somebody <laughs> um, who got three and a half stars now gia already gave it away it was sutton foster <laughs> and um, I'm going to put in a, a couple of comments here. I wonder what your experience with Star Search was like, what it was like working with Ed McMahon. And I know two Star Search alumni. I know Ty Herndon, 
who um, was a finalist. Uh, I don't know if it was, I don't think it was your, your year. And Marty Thomas, who beat Britney Spears. So uh, can you give me some comments about that, uh, Richard? Sure, sure. Uh, yeah, I um. So Star Search happened for me uh, a little bit later in my career. I, I had, you know, uh, I'd worked on Broadway. I'd done a bunch of TV shows and a couple of films and stuff. And and then, uh, you know, Princess Central Park happened. And and when that show closed, I, I kind of, there was a lot of talk about me doing like a music career. Um, so like there were a lot, there was just a lot of interest uh, in, in like me doing a music career because young, you know, boy vocalists were really popular. New Kids on the Block was hot, you know, all that stuff. So um, so uh, my manager at the time said, let's get you on Star Search. It's a great way to get, you know, the recording people to see you on TV and, you know, you kind of get in front of everybody and all the different labels and stuff. And a lot of the people who were connected with that. So that's what I did. Um, and so when I went on the show, uh, the, the people were amazing. First of all, uh, the talent that I was up against was also was amazing. And I was very fortunate. Um, and, and they were also incredibly sweet, you know, particularly like Sutton Foster, as you said, uh, to this day, she says that I won because she gave me her lucky stuffed animal. And she did. She, you know, we, we kind of hit it off when we were, you know, at the show waiting to compete against each other. We just, you know, became friends. And I was really nervous for some reason. And the funny thing is I, she was the second person I went up against. I, so she wasn't even like the first person I went up against, but I, for some reason I was just still very nervous at the time. Um, and and she like gave me her stuffed animal. So I wouldn't feel so nervous for like for luck. I'm like, who does that? Who gives you like, Aww. who gives their, who gives their competitor, you know, a, a luck, a good luck charm. And, you know, unless it's like jinxed, you, you know what I mean? Like, unless, unless it's got a, unless it's got a curse on it. Right. Uh, not in this business now? anyway. Do I still have it? I, 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 I don't, uh, I I've moved so many times over the years. Um, but I do still have a friendship with Sutton. So there's that. Uh, nice. But yeah, so, you know, so yeah, so I, I, I beat her and I feel bad that she probably didn't have the career she 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 would have had, you know, had she won. Um, <laughs> but no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, think, I'm thinking Shots she's doing. I'm, no. I'm thinking I'm thinking she's I'm thinking she's she's all right. I'm thinking she's doing just fine. She's good. She, I think I think I think that loss didn't 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 crush her crush her <laughs> chances of, of succeeding in life um but no uh aside from that the rest of the season was fun and um you know ed mcmahon i have to be honest with you that man was a national treasure at that time like he was he was really awesome in my dressing room happened to be right next to his so uh the room that they put me in you know um uh, was right next to his and he well, like whenever I would walk by it's like that he'd like he'd be like hey how's it going how you doing how you feeling this and that and he would he was just really so genuine and warm and friendly um and uh, yeah he made it a really wonderful experience and, it, and the whole thing was a really wonderful experience Marty and Ty though were after me they they are a little bit younger than I <clears throat> but uh they they were in later seasons like I said I they were, I think, when I believe once the show moved to Florida, I, I was on it when it was still out in L.A. Um, but Ray Romano was on my season. John Panette was on my season, um, who I later worked with in uh, Hairspray. Um, and so, yeah, it, uh, it was it was a it was a cool experience. 
There you go. And we have a few lesser known people at a star search, Rosie O'Donnell, Sam, <laughs> yeah. Sam Harris, Brad Garrett. And I do um, have a quick, and, I'm so sorry, a quick Blake. interjection. Um, could we, I'm sorry, Howard, could we clarify just the last names of, of Marty and Ty, just so our audience knows who they are? Oh, Ty Herndon, Grammy nominee. Yes. And, um, and um, Marty, Marty Thomas. Thomas. Who um, still no relation, by the way. Oh, there you go. <laughs> still does oh, shows. yes. We'll, we'll get into that later. We'll get into that later. Mar Marty does still does shows in New York. He's oh, yeah. done a lot of shows labeled the diva shows where he features um, impersonations, I guess, or, or songs, at least of Bette Midler, Barbara Streisand. You're going to correct uh, Donna Summer. Well, yeah, his his show is is basically he kind of hosts a show and it's always he brings in uh vocal divas and he sings he sings songs by vocal vocal divas and he brings in amazing vocalists you know like shoshana and and jessica vosk and uh yeah everyone across the across the the blanket like oh Marissa rosen yeah it's Mar Marissa rosen is like she's like part of like his his show like she's kind of like front picture uh who i love her as well we did you know hairspray together as well but um uh yeah, so it's 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 not really like impersonations. He just it's just you get to go listen to like amazing singers sing the divas of you know of voice. Uh, right, right. Yeah. Always always entertaining. Oh, it's a, it's a, I recommend it for everyone. It's an amazing amazing show. And Marty is one of the giftest gifted most gifted vocalists on the planet. He has this insane instrument he can do anything so it's crazy yeah so i recommend awesome. hearing him anytime uh, he was this is a few years ago but they had some kind of article or um feature things you don't know about britney spears and i think number eight was she lost to marty thomas on star search oh shit mm -hmm. so yeah. I, I mean you know ray romano i did not win so you know it the, the, <laughs> so, there's 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 a lot of, Winning, I mean, Sutton Foster didn't win. I'm going to go out on a limb and say losing on Star Search, not a bad thing. <laughs> now, um, you, um, I had read that um, your wife, Terry, likes country music. She does. So I do, too. I, I do, too, actually. She likes it more than I do. But I mean, I like, you know, I like everything. So. Ah, so she might know who Ty Herndon is. His big hit is What Mattered Most. Oh yeah, no. I mean, we both know who he is. I just don't know Ty personally, and we weren't on on Star Search together. So, okay. So, what type of music do you like? Um, <laughs> you just said you like country music. I do. I listen to everything, uh, honestly, just because I like music. But it, if I, I mean, I like top forty. Um, but I also, I really like hip hop. I know I'm oh, okay. I'm actually more of a hip hop or '90s R and B, like. The '90s is probably like that's that's you know that's my decade for music. So, uh, yeah. well, mine end at 1980. I know everything in the '60s and '70s, and starting 1980, I really don't know anything um, beyond that. There's there's some there's some good there's some good music you're missing out on, Howard. We're gonna have to work on that. What's what's your favorite music you love to sing? What kind of genre? Oh, um. It's funny. It used to be R and B, like when I, you know, was younger, and like also like when I was recording, it was very like kind of pop R and B stuff. Uh, now 
as I've gotten older, I actually like to sing rock music more. Nice. Um, mm-hmm. So I do more like vocally. That's kind of where I I find my groove a little bit more vocally. Oh. So I'd love to see you play the Toxic Avenger, man. You know, it's funny. Um, I, we can we can sort of uh, touch on on yeah. him a little bit later. But Nick, uh, I I never saw the Toxic Avenger in mm-hmm. until you know like when it was out, so like that. And again, I don't get to see many shows mostly because I'm usually on the same schedule. So, um, but man, when you know we became such good friends, I he would show me videos of it, and and then play me the music. From, the music was awesome. Unbelievable. The music bon is so dope. The music is so dope. I like, had I, I had the great opportunity to play the Toxic Avenger a few years ago, uh, and it was such an amazing experience. It's I mean Bon Jovi. Yeah. Literally. So yeah. Yeah. Well, so yeah. I, I, I would love to. I did see a YouTube video of one of the songs from my generation. Everybody's got a hungry heart. Oh, oh the no. at the Bruce Spring, Springsteen thing. Yeah, I did that at a, we did a, it was like a Bruce Springsteen concert at uh, 54 Below. Well, Richard, I could totally hear you singing some Steve Perry. Oh, yeah. Yeah. One of the highlights, one of the highlights of my, one of the highlights of my life was when I did Saturday Night Fever, um, when I took the tour out, our first city was Chicago and um, Dennis DeYoung from Sticks, lead singer of the Sticks, was that opening night and he, he came up to me and you know said that great job everything he's like i love your voice and this that and i was just like i'm sorry what can i get that on tape somewhere that dennis <laughs> young just said he loved my voice like because yeah so that was one of the highlights uh, of my life well huge kudos yes okay well you're gonna be going back to the 80s i hear you're a dancer uh, that's how i started and uh well why don't you go into that a little bit um yeah i understand that all right your wife and uh it is so talk to us so i'm really 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 clumsy um i always have been when i was four years old i I broke my nose walking up the stairs and um my parents put me into gymnastics class and where i took gymnastics right next door was a dance studio and one day i was walking by and i saw tap dancing in the window some kids tap dancing and i was like i i want to do that and my parents were like okay fine because they knew if they you know tried to stop me I would have been probably begging them and and annoying the crap out of them until they said yes so they just said yes um and uh I just found out that I loved tap dancing and so I started tapping and and, um really had uh some skill for it so it just sort of took off and I started entering dance competitions and when I was seven I started competing against uh this girl and we kind of became rivals um so we competed against each other for like four years and i won two years and she won two years um and, and we it was like literally like one of those rivals where we're like like we'd, we'd come in and my dad would like say to her like you're gonna beat my son today or is he gonna beat you like like they, they had, i mean we had pictures like, like of us like against each other you know what i mean like that's how bad this rivalry was it was uh you know um Tanya Harding and, and uh, uh, what do we call it? Um, Nancy oh my God, Kerrigan. Nancy Kerrigan. Thank you. Um, who is wonderful? We met her um, recently. Um, sweetest oh, wow. woman. Oh, super sweet. Nice. Um, but uh, and and so, cut to uh, I start working and this and that. And sometime later, um, in my early twenties, 
I get a show called Footloose and show up for first day rehearsals and meet this girl. And AC Siula, who was the choreographer, he, uh, he, he and I were actually in a boy band together. Um, and oh, so amazing. we were, we were, we were good friends, um, and, you know, years before, and we had been good friends and he put me together with this, this one girl in the, um, in the cast for the opening number to be my partner. And he like put us together. And he's like, that's trouble. So, you know, we, we, we laughed it off and then we went to lunch that day, like a bunch of us and did the, you know, where are you from? Who, you know, this and that. And we told our story and I told mine and she's like, wait a minute, you're little Richard. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? Oh, <laughs> and, no, and she's like, you're wow. little Richard. She's like, oh. she's like, we used to compete against each other. I was like, what? And she called her mom. Her mom sent photos like three. And this is, of course, not there was no email. Uh, so it was, you know, uh, she sent them via mail. Um, so a couple of days later, she showed up with pictures of us from when we were seven years old. Wow. And so, yeah. So so I was like, well, that's cool. Um, if you can't beat them, join them. And so I married her. Hey. There's that. Hey. If you oh can't my beat gosh. them, yeah. marry them. That's exactly. Right. And you danced in Gia's favorite show, I, right? yeah. the That was show. probably the, the, the last really hard dancing that I that I did. Like, I mean, like kick mm-hmm. your face, you know, pirouette, you know, like like really like dance show that I did. Um, because I had like danced I'm doing my butt off in that number, all about the green. So right. yeah. um, yeah. you know, since then. Like Fiero is dancing, but it's not like, you know, you're not, you're not kicking your face. You're just kind of, you're dancing, you know, moving. And then Jersey Boys is obviously, as you know, it's very uh, pedestrian choreography, you know, to, to match what they did and, you know, brilliant because uh, it was so true to the kind of era and time. So I would love to hear about this boy band. Oh God. <laughs> well, like I said, after, after, um, after Star Search, that's that was kind of what happened. They, you know, it was sort of like the, the music industry was like into like the whole boy band thing. And so I got put into this boy band and I was the like Joey McIntyre. I was at least five years younger than everybody else. Right. So I was like the, the baby boy. Uh, and it it didn't really click like we we recorded a bunch and we did and we never really took off. Uh I don't even I think we charted at like 2000 or something no I mean I don't even know uh how how far down on that um but did a lot of mall performances you know performed in malls and stuff like that but then they were like all right this isn't really working in the age discrepancy we don't know how to like what fan base we're looking for so I they ended up making me go solo so then I started doing a solo thing and I I just didn't I just didn't really dig it I wasn't really into the whole recording artist thing uh you know i missed being on stage i missed telling a story and um and so i yeah so i was like yeah this isn't this isn't really for me and then i got it i got a job i got a show and i was like yeah i'm gonna go do that instead <laughs> so i bailed on the recording career. one of your jersey boys colleagues frankie galasso yeah frankie um, he was in a boy band. Dream. Yeah, he was in a successful boy band, though. Dream, uh, <laughs> Dream Street. Dream Street. That's right. Yeah. Street. Yeah. yeah, man. Frankie, yeah, Frankie's man. the bomb. Frankie's the bomb, and he, they only he had one hit, though. I think. Yeah, I mean, they they had a, they had a, he had they had one big hit, and then they had you know a couple of songs that charged stuff. But I mean, 
in, in the grand scheme of boy bands, they were a successful boy band. We go. were not a successful boy band. <laughs> can, uh, can we uh, talk about uh, just a few of your um, fiascos, if you will, on, um, on Broadway? Wicked. Uh, one time I was, I was at intermission, well, right before intermission, um, I was playing with a Theracane. I don't know if you guys know what a Theracane is. So the Theracane is this, it's this plastic thing that's shaped like a, like, a, like a candy cane, right? Like a hook. And it's got like little handles on it and, and these balls on it. It's a hard, hard plastic. And what you do is you use it to reach around and, and work on kinks and knots in your back. Right? Oh, I love that. But it's, it's, yeah. So it's this amazing therapy tool that you use, but it's, it's, it's sturdy. It's heavy. It's this and that. But it has this like, you know, I was just sitting there talking to, to someone of the people in the cast and I was like just swinging it around and I just like, I swung it right into my nose and literally <gasps> broke my nose wide open, oh. broke my nose, busted it wide open. Um, now it's like intermission. So I took a bunch of septic. Did you guys know like when you put on your face, when you cut yourself shaving, it's like a powder. Like you put, yeah. And I just pour it in this open, like my, my nose is just like split open and I just pour it in there to try and get the bleeding to stop. And then I go back on stage for act two and we start, thank goodness. And, and, uh, Chandra and you're like, Schwartz, oh goodness. Chandra Lee Schwartz was, was playing Glinda and she turns to me at one point. She's like, oh! Because <laughs> like literally it was the same thing. Just blood was just like gushing down my face. And um, very in yeah, character. I, yes. I've, I've had a lot of, a lot of mishaps on Oh stage. my God. Anything in Jersey Boys? Uh, I'm trying to think if I ever did anything really painful in jersey boys i mean there's plenty of mishaps in jersey boys um i i've i walked out without the without the cards i can't even tell you how many times i walked out without the cards that's yeah. like that's like the biggest one like the biggest faux pas you can make is that i mean it's, there's actually bigger faux pas i'm sure but uh but that that's a big one you know what i mean mm -hmm. like when you walk out and and you have to do a whole scene where you're doing card tricks and you don't have cards you you got to do some seriously good improv there. I am not fantastic at improv, so um, it it never really went as smoothly as I would have liked. But uh, yeah, I think I think probably like three or four times I forgot the cards. Wow. Wow. Well, yeah. that's straight. not that many. I would. I mean, more. in the grand scheme of how many shows I did, no. But right. but when but when it happens once, you're like, how do you ever let that happen again? <laughs> right. Like the humiliation is so bad. <laughs> Well, so do you remember right. what happened? I just, I fudged it and I like turned it and pretended and I just kind of like tried to put him in front of me and I'm like, see this card? And I like oh. made up lines and I was like, okay. I was like, remember this card? What color card is this? All right, what card is this? But you know what I mean? Like I just changed the lines and kind of like improvised like mm -hmm. to make them know that I had a, a, a card, you know, like I okay. had, that I was doing a card trick. So. I think it works with the mime. Yeah. Can we yeah. talk about like it? A, like a thumb trick maybe? Nah, nah. No. nah. okay. <laughs> <laughs> we talked a little, little bit about a Bronx Tale, and um, you know you're um, you played a dad for the first time, Lorenzo, yeah. and um, you're a dad. Um, yeah. You know, Grayson is what I think you told me nine years old. Yeah, he's gonna be ten soon. Yeah. And, salute. Um, how did that? Thank you. How did how did the two of them compare? with um, you're being a dad for the first time in a Bronx tale and you're being a dad in real life? Uh, I mean, it's pretty close. 
No, I'm just kidding. I mean, being a dad in real life, being a dad in real life trumps everything. Um, he's he's my he's my world. He's my everything. Oh. Um, you know, uh, he's my best friend. He's he's the apple of my eye. He's like literally, like hey. you know. Can you see what I did there? Yeah, yeah, I did there? I, we uh, see. What you uh, but uh, <laughs> but uh, but no. I mean, like yeah. I mean, he's. I don't know. It's you. You don't ever. Everyone says to you that you know you're never gonna understand love until you have a child and you're always like yeah no i get it i'm going to love this kid more than anything else in the world but you don't you don't understand it until you actually have a child you don't understand what that is truly like um that said being a dad on stage for the first time and getting to use that use what i know uh about being a dad in real life um and making that transition um you know, into that part of my life, that middle, you know, age of my life uh, on stage was really special. And also I didn't just play a dad. I played, I played a real person. I played Lorenzo Palminteri, you know? Um, and he was a wonderful man. He was the kind of man that, that I aspire to be, you know, when Chaz tells stories about his dad and, you know, I've spent since 2004, 13 i when i started working on a bronx tale 2014 when i started working on a bronx tale with the readings and the and you know all of that Chaz and i have been very close we became very close because this is a very personal role to him because his father meant so much to him um and so you know it, it was an honor to get to to play that particular father um and so it was it was very special yeah yeah now um you know, I um, a lot of people from Jersey Boys transferred into a Bronx Tale, and you know, I I knew knew a lot. It's kind of it kind of makes sense. And, um, <laughs> yeah, a lot of some of the creative team and the cast, um, you know, so saddened by Nick Cordero's passing. Um, yeah, how did that affect you, Richard? I mean, I think it affected all of us in a way. I yeah, only met him a it's... few times and didn't really know him that well. But, um, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously like I spent, um, yeah, about two years in a very, very small confined space with him. Um, we shared a dressing room and in the long acre, uh, you know, the dressing room that we shared, I think was eight by eight. I mean, that's how it was, it was, you know, a, a, there's no big dressing rooms. There's no star dressing room. So um we we were in a very very tight space when you you know uh, granted we we both started with it from the get-go in 2014 with the readings and stuff so and we actually did a bunch of other stuff together in the meantime um we just became incredibly incredibly close uh you know i was i was when put it this way when when he uh bought his uh wife's ring when he bought amanda's wedding ring he had it sent to my house so that she like that was where he had the ring sent to um really? to to you know so that she wouldn't um so wouldn't be in their house uh so yeah it uh it, it affects me it, it still affects me it's it it still affects me uh a lot it's funny my my son said today like i mean it's the littlest things my son said today that dua lipa came on uh the radio she's like she's my favorite he's like she's my favorite male female artist right now and 
it, I started to like tear up and he's, he's like, what, what's wrong? And I was like, I was like, I don't know, but it's like, it's just funny. Cause Nick before, like when we were doing Bronxdale, Dua Lipa was like his favorite female artist at the time. Mm-hmm. And, and so it was just like, I don't know. It's like little things like that. They catch you and you're just sort of like, and it just, yeah, it, it's, it still stings. It still stings a lot. Well, we're so sorry for your loss, Richard. It's, it's absolutely devastating. It's everyone's loss, yeah. to be honest with you. There's, there was, he was one of literally to, I hate to, you know, do this, but he was one of the great ones. And he, yeah. he, yeah. he, um, we're all missing out on a lot because he was he was gonna he was gonna he was gonna give great things to the world so and he did give great things to the world because i don't know if you guys follow amanda on instagram at all yes. but they made the most gorgeous child on the planet uh elvis so um you know i know he's well, he's looking down smiling let's all raise a glass mm-hmm. to nick cordero hell yeah hell yes. yeah salute. 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 I do want to go back for a second um, with, so back to like, thinking of, you know, nineties, that was your time. Um, and well, it's like your favorite era, the music to listen to. Can you please tell everybody how you also are to thank for Ryan Gosling coming into everybody's lives as <laughs> oh, well? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so... And the choices we make. Um, so listen, so I, uh, so I, so we, as we did, we talked about this show, um, Prince of Central Park, right. That uh, I, I did when I was young, I had worked on it in the out of town in, in Key West, Florida, the very first incarnation of it. And then in Miami. Um, and while we were in Miami, uh, yeah, there were, I was kind of getting a lot of buzz. I was the starring role in this show. And, and so a bunch of the people from Disney came down to see me from, uh, for the show because they were looking for someone for Mickey Mouse Club, the oh, new Mickey Mouse Club table. TV show, yeah. right? So they they came down and, you know, I was dancing my face off, singing my face off, you know, and so next thing I know, they're f- flying me up to Orlando to meet with Michael Eisner, who was the head of Disney at the time, um, and offering me uh, a job on the Mickey Mouse Club. And it was, you know, it was, it was, it was, hey, the show was huge at the time. It was for, especially for kids my age and stuff. Um, and, uh, they were offering me this crazy contract. It was insane. And they had the kids like who were on the show, like pick me around the park and like tell me how cool it was and everything. It was, it was, it was, it was pretty awesome. Um, but at the same time, then we got a theater for, uh, Prince of Central Park on Broadway. And I had to decide if I was going to like leave Prince of Central Park or, you know, to do Mickey Mouse Club or, or continue with the show and turn down Mickey Mouse Club. Um, and my dad was like, look, dude, it's up to you. It's your decision. And so I like thought about it. And I was like, I want to do the Broadway show. And he was like, really? <laughs> but, um, <laughs> no. Uh, and, um, and, 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 you know, I had worked on it for two years at this point. I, I, I couldn't imagine anybody else opening that show and, you know, and playing that part for the first time on Broadway. It just, it, it just didn't sit right. Right. So um, they, but so I did that and they had to find somebody to, uh, you know, replace me because I didn't take it at the Mickey Mouse club. They needed to, to hire a kid. And so they hired Ryan Gosling. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, uh, but look, it doesn't mean that I would have, you know, had any career even close to his. It's not like anyone else, from that show ever became anything, you know, 
you know, Christina but Aguilera, Britney Spears, Justin Timberlake, you know, I mean, yeah, yeah. JC. Who, whoever even heard of those guys? Whoever even heard right, of yeah. them? Literally never. And I mean, and look, I got to open the show on Broadway and do the show on Broadway for four performances because we closed <laughs> up the four performances. So, and God. Love the title, correct? I was. I, 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 am, I am still to this day the youngest person to have their name above the title of a Broadway show. There you go. So. Come on. And was it Richard H. Blake at the time? It was. So he always has been. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Always has been. Yeah. yeah. Always has been. Always will be. And, yeah. Uh, now hopefully. because yeah. I had I had my opportunity to drop the H. I told I, at one point um, there was a Richard Blake in the union, and uh, so I had to go with Richard H. Blake, and then he was much older, and so he he passed away, but I didn't know it, and I found out later that he passed away, and I could have dropped the H and been just Richard Blake. But in the meantime, someone else had joined the union and already taken up Richard Blake. So I missed my window to drop the H. What are you going to (laughs) do? What are you going to do? Go back to the hotel room and rent out your socks. Right? Exactly. Well, Richard, you really, you have to know, like, of course, you know, we all make our decisions, but please do not regret anything, especially for the audience that Mickey Mouse Club was like, you have done that with, so many young people getting into theater really mm-hmm. like the wedding singer legally blonde wicked hairspray all the shows that you've had lead roles in you're on those cast albums you got so many people into theater no i i please please i i tell it for for the lightheartedness of the story i think it's funny mm-hmm. i think it's 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 hysterical but by no means do i regret any decision look I, I say this all the time, my, the best role that I've had to date is husband and father, right? Like that's literally the best roles that I've, that I've gotten to play to date. And I, I, I wouldn't have my wife. I wouldn't have my son if, if my life was different in any other way. Um, I also wouldn't have the experiences that, that I've had. Like I've, I, I wouldn't trade any of it. I, look, blessed hashtag blessed i mean booked and blessed i i mean I hate, I hate saying that i hate doing the whole hashtag blessed thing but but i mean like i mean but for real like i have nothing to complain about at all amen if i didn't have a career i wouldn't have a career and what i mean by that is you in this business you develop relationships you develop a name for yourself you develop not just a name for yourself above the boards, but you develop a name for yourself in work ethic and who people want to work with. You know, I've worked with the same directors and choreographers a lot because I, I go in and I give you hundred and, you know, 50% and I show up and I'm consistent and I do my job. I don't complain. And, and I, I think I'm pretty easy to work with, you know, and they, they like that. And I say like, look, I'm not the most talented person for all of these, you know, roles that these roles could have gone to, I could name five other guys off the top of my head that would have been just as good in any one of these roles. It just so happened that the director who was casting for that or the, or the choreographer was casting for that was like, Hey, we have two great options to choose from. Who are we going to choose from? Well, I've worked with Richard. I know what I'm going to get. I like him. I want to work with him again. You know what I mean? And that, that's part of this business. It's, it's, it's that, that nepotism is a part of the business because it's also a safety net for them. You know, they know what they're going to get. And, um, and so 
and that's kind of what I mean by that is this business isn't just about like the best person for the job is always going to get it because there's so many right people for the job and and it's all subjective it's all opinion based to begin with you know and there's so many other factors that come into it also you know so you know I, I tell people your work ethic is everything it's everything you on time is late early is on time right rule number one mm-hmm. entitlement you are entitled to nothing nothing you show up starting to think that you are entitled to something no one is going to want to work with you i promise you it you might you might make it for a little while but eventually they get sick of it you know what i mean show up do the work you know keep your head down <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah. uh i'm not saying don't stand up for what you believe by any means please don't misunderstand when i say keep your head down i mean say it's just like keep your head down and work is what i mean like you know don't don't get distracted by all of the other stuff that comes along with show business you know at the end of the day if you work hard and you're nice to people and and you're going you're going to succeed did you watch smash i watched a little bit of it because obviously i had so many friends on it um (laughs) uh but I, I didn't, I didn't watch a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, in season two, Jennifer Hudson's character, she's like, so Catherine McPhee's character is backstage at a show that Jennifer Hudson is doing, and Jennifer Hudson. So Catherine's like, oh, what, like, what advice do you have? Like, can you give me some advice? And Jennifer's like, protect the work. Yeah. You know, if the work's good, they won't be able to take you down. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And it's true. You have to protect the work. You always have to protect the work, you know? Um, and, and the other thing is you can protect the work, but you also have to realize that you, you are one vessel, right? Yeah. You, you are one vessel. So you may not want to do something a certain way. Just do it. At least try it. You know what I mean? Don't, this business is about creating art and we're always like there i see a lot of 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 pushback and kickback a lot from from you know some young actors and stuff and and old actors too i guess anybody but um that's like kind of one of the biggest things i could tell people is like be willing to do what you're asked to do and you may not agree with it you may not like it but give it a shot and and then see because you know what there's smart people doing their jobs. You know, there's the people who are the directors, people who are writers. A lot of times they're, they're, they're don't always think you're the smartest person in the room. You know, right. that's, exactly. that's, that's, that's key. Right. Well, you know, who you're describing right now is Tommy DeVito. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> I just couldn't help but think that. So what's it like to play a character and to, you know, go through learning, learning about the character through Richard Hester and, and Des, like, how did you go about creating that from your previous roles? Um, well, you know, the, the antagonist has always come easy to me. Um, you know, I, the, the, the bad guy is, is always yeah. kind of real. And people ask me that like a lot of times they're like, why do you, why do you seem to, you know, play all these bad guys and, 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 you know, and why do you do it? Well, and it's not, I said, well, I have a different outlook on it. I think than some people, which is, no, very few, unless they're a psychopath, and I wouldn't even say sociopath, I would say psychopath, very few bad guys or protagonists are trying to be bad. 
they just don't even know they are bad. You know, there is a, there is a naivete in, yeah. in their behavior. I love that. I love Do you know that. what I mean? Mm-hmm. And they don't, they don't, they're not setting out to, to necessarily ruin things. Like, like Warner isn't trying to be the bad guy. He's not, tr- he, when he breaks up with L, he totally thinks that it's going to go well. Do you know what I mean? And then when she comes along and he tells her things like, you're not meant for this. You're not, you're, you're, you're like this, you know, he doesn't see that as a, as a diss, you know what I mean? Right. It's just like, come on, like that, you know, right. Like less uh, of a Marilyn, more of a Jackie. Right. Like, which is a horrible thing to say to somebody. And he, but he's not saying it to be like, he's not saying it to be mean to hurt her. He's just, he's naive to the fact that that is a horrible thing to say. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, uh, Glenn Gulia stepped further, total jerk, you know, like <laughs> philanderer, philanderer, drug addict, this and that. But he, that's what he thinks. That's what he thinks life is. He thinks that's, he thinks that's fine. Wow. You know what I mean? We're in the eighties. We're in the eighties. We're in the culture of, you know, that's, that's, that's what's gonna be. I'll I'll have my wife at home. Look, she'll she, you know that's who this she'll be, and I'll go do my thing. And I mean, but it's he's not like oh I'm gonna hurt. It's never about hurting anybody. Right. It just hurts it's, people because that's that's the the result. Right. Um, and when and you play it from that place, they mm-hmm. they start to have a, uh, a something that you can at least latch onto a humanity that you can latch onto. You know whether you agree with them, whether you hate them whether you're like oh that i hate that kind of person you can at least sort of acknowledge the the human aspect of it so if you look um, at some of the stuff and tommy devito is the prime example so yeah if you look at some of the stuff he says like there's two prime examples that always jump out to me um right after they right before he goes to bob after cry for me he's like yeah you're in the group and so um no like right after they sign um, he's like, Frank, you go give the kid a haircut. Yeah. It's like a jab. Yeah, yeah. like this is like, he, and because he, he he had just said, if this all comes crashing down, don't come crying to me. And now, like, yeah, go go give the kid a haircut. Like that's all you're good for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You 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 wanna you wanna you want me to go get yourself another lead singer? Yeah, go give the kid a haircut. Yeah, and and that's and that's that's the thing about Tommy. There's no better example. I think that's kind of where I was going with this, of of someone who wasn't he was not like, he was a, as people say, like, you know, who knew him. It's like, like he was a dick, but he was also, you have no four seasons without him. And he took care of everybody until he couldn't. Do you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like he did it his way, Mm -hmm. but he, he wasn't just in it for him. He knew he needed others. He knew. And, and there was a part of him that, needed brothers too you know um but he's that he's he's damaged goods you know he he was he had his flaws he had his you know his his demons and 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 that's kind of what it was but like i said he was never out to sabotage anyone he was self-sabotaging you know like that's that's did you meet him did you meet? Dustin? I unfortunately, I unfortunately did not have the chance to meet him. I spent a good deal of time with his family. Um, he, from the time that I joined the company, it was, I think, I think about nine months before I joined the company was the last time he came to New York. 
and so uh mm-hmm. yeah he wasn't yeah he wasn't so i i didn't get to meet him but his family was incredibly sweet and they had the most wonderful things to say and he actually sent me a um a letter that his his family i guess had had said you know i had joined the company and stuff like that and he sent me a he sent me a letter which was really sweet oh nice that's wonderful yeah. yeah. And as far as this, like the self-sabotaging goes, that's where the theme of the show comes in, where everybody remembers it how they need to. Yeah. Because even today, Frankie and Bob have their feelings about it, and it's a whole thing. Um, mm-hmm. And it's it's so funny how you mentioned like the like how he was so, like all the characters that you've played, like it could be so naive about how it really impacts other people. And Aaron Sorkin, love him, who is good friends with Rick Ellis had this mm-hmm. incredible quote about when he's writing the quote unquote villain characters and how nobody wants to be the bad guy. But if you look at things that take place today, you know, cause, right, cause all, everything that like Davida and I's generation has is like eighties, nineties and, and like, and even fifties, sixties stuff, like, like Greece and hairspray mm-hmm. and all everything from history. So in the social network, which we just rewatched, um, Rashida Jones says to um, to Jesse Eisenberg, he's like, you're not an asshole, Mark. You're just trying so hard to be, you know? And I yep. think that's where that's, our that's generation Tommy. has that disconnect. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's that's Tommy. Like, I mean, he was an asshole, but, but mm-hmm. you know, in reality, he, he also, you know, he was trying to be, he was trying to be, look, he was this little guy, right? Uh, he wasn't he wasn't much bigger than than Frankie to begin with. Okay, so he's this little guy. He 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 knew he didn't have the skill set that anyone else in the group had, right? And uh, because of that, he was the guy who had to be the boss. He had to be he had to keep everybody on a on a certain level to keep himself, a, you know, necessary right so he was like so he 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 kind of treated everybody and kept everybody in check and and did that for so long and was constantly trying to do things and 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 because of all the people in the group he was probably the least talented you know uh of all of them and he knew that um so uh so yeah it is it's it's such a great show i mean it's such amazing characters such amazing complex people to play uh and i miss it very much if you if you could do the show again now would you do it yeah of course i would yeah hell yeah hell yeah honestly like it it, if i you know it when people ask me all the time like what role would you if you could play any role again what role would it be and that's it's hands down it's always tommy devito um i think you know if if there's a a role that that I could hold that I could always come back to and like, I could go off and go do something to the home, the home base. That would be my home base. <laughs> Is there Aww. a certain level of the show that you would want to do it? You, you mean like, like, like it, off what, Broadway, what, like off Broadway like versus Broadway. Cause we've had uh, this conversation with, with other people in the show before. And they were like, if they, if it's not at a certain level, they they wouldn't feel comfortable doing it. You know, like they love the show, but yeah, I don't I don't know I don't know the answer to that. Okay, I haven't seen any other other production other than the Broadway production. Okay, so I don't know what it does. I don't know if it changes it. I don't know. I don't know. How, you know what I mean? Like to me, sure. I have a very 
fond, you know, image and memory and all of that in my head. I just don't know if it would if it would be different and if I would feel like I was in a stranger's house. Sure, you know that makes total sense. I, I don't know though. Yeah. Like it, 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 it could be the same for all I know. How did you land the role, um, Richard, of Tommy DeVito? I auditioned. Uh, where was where was I? Do, I was doing. I don't even know what I was doing. Oh, I had finished. Like I had finished. Uh, which call it? Um, Wicked. My son had like just been born, and uh, we had just gotten back from Korea, and we and I was like, all right, I'm gonna take a little time off, and then I started doing TV and film work. And I did like two TV shows and like, and like a film and the audition for Jersey boys came up and I went in and did audition for, uh, you know, for Richard Hester. And then, and I had a call back for Des and that was it, but I didn't hear for a while. In the meantime, then I got, then I got Matilda and Matilda. I didn't audition for Matilda. They just called me and said, Hey, we, you know, like we need, like we need someone to start tomorrow. Are you available? Like, are you free to start? And I assume they knew because I was just auditioning for something else. They're like, can you come in tomorrow? And I was like, yeah, sure. Um, why not? And then, like, uh, I think it was like a week or two later, I found out about Jersey Boys. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, you know, it was very interesting. I remember, <laughs> and I remember. Like I remember being in my audition, um, and Des turned to Richard Hester while I was doing my scene. Um, I don't think I've ever told anybody this, and I heard him say, "Why haven't we seen him before?" <laughs> I thought I nailed it, right. I was like, "This part was made for me." <laughs> Literally, I, that's how I felt about it. I was like, "This is the easiest audition I've like." When I say easiest audition, I mean like. I, I get inside my head I, I'm just bad at it. I'm not very good at it um and but that one I was like oh I I understand this guy um this time like when did was the first time you saw it and what drew you to it Jersey Boys or yeah honestly it came on my radar because of Michael Longoria uh oh. because we were in Hairspray and he got Jersey Boys oh uh so um that's i think that's how that happened yeah and did yeah, you did you see the show before you auditioned for it the first time i saw the show was my first day of rehearsal wow whoa so i i had never seen the show feel? and i went my first day of rehearsal i went and saw john gardner do the show mm-hmm. yeah because he was because he had been because Andy. And I was thought even I wasn't going to start because they had to keep me in Matilda. They asked me to come and watch Andy do it. Okay. And 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 so actually it was Andy that I saw. So I saw it with Andy. I peeled and. Then, I saw it again my first day of rehearsal. Um, wow. Yeah. But that was the first time I'd seen it. Like, like I said, I don't, 
a, because I've just always been on the same schedule. I, I don't really get to see m- any theater. And, mm-hmm. and if I'm, if I'm off and there is a show on that night that I have off, I'm not going back into a theater. I spend a lot of time in a theater. Better I should spend some time with my kid. Better I should spend some time with my kid. Exactly. Well, that, that's so interesting. Uh, you were telling us yesterday that I just, you, you really just made me think of the way Matt Bogart says that line. Oh, I, what a guy. Uh, I love that man. What um, a guy. Anyway. You were telling us yesterday that you don't really listen to much musical theater or show tunes. I don't listen to it at all. That's no. so fresh, man. Like that's so like, and that, you know, for for me and Gia, you know, we we love, you know, we love cast albums. You know, we grew yeah. up on like specific cast albums, but it's so interesting to hear this kind of perspective, you know? Yeah, I like by by all means, I love theater. I love what I get to do. And 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 when I do go see like a friend in a show, because I will like if I have like a friend making a debut or an opening night and I can, I will go see them. Um, you know, it just sure. doesn't happen very often that I can. Um but I, I don't really choose to go see. I actually prefer plays over musicals. If I'm a, mm-hmm. spe- if I'm an, a spec, you know, like an audience member, um, and I don't. I'm also one of those jerk actors, uh, theater actors who calls them soundtracks. Um, so uh, <laughs> Chris Hoke, Chris Hoke, I swear to God, Chris Hoke would yell at me and tell me that I was going to get my card taken away from me, my <laughs> equity card taken away from me because I would call. Uh, a cast album, a soundtrack, um, but unmarked cars. Yeah, I just, I, I don't, I don't <laughs> exactly. I don't, I, I, yeah, I don't listen to them, and I, it's not because the music's not good. But it's just, I don't know. I just don't. That's totally. And when I watch, okay. and when I watch things like I'm, a, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a big sports junkie, so like I really all I like, I listen to like sports radio in the car. <laughs> like it's, like yeah. No, but I don't blame you because you you need to have other hobbies and you're a very well-rounded person. You know, even your son, Grayson, like he's in sports. Well, Davi actually has a question about golf. Oh, because you're a big golfer. I am indeed. So I I actually played golf for six months. It was a miserable (laughs) six months. I was pretty horrible. I'm a tennis person myself. Okay. And um, it all, all, it, a lot of golfers are tennis, like a lot of tennis players and golfers. Cause the, the motion is, has a lot of similarities. Mm-hmm. It's true. Like, but so me and golf just didn't, I don't know, like, I don't know. It didn't work, but it all ended badly when, <laughs> when a driver went into the lake, I was on the oh, driving wow. range. And it flew out of my hand oh, and into a God. lake. And that's where I called it a night. You're, so so one way to get better at golf is uh-huh. to hold on to the club. That's <laughs> right. That's that's that that's like lesson number one. Um, you, wow. You're being happy uh, Gilmore over here at Devade. You yeah. Got it. Uh, no. <laughs> um, well, you know, if you want to get into golf stories. So I have a funny one. Um, we're talking about fiascos during shows. So I was doing Wicked on tour and we were in New Orleans and it was the day we got to the city. Um, I think it was the day we got to the city or whatever. Um, and yeah, it was because it, it, was, it, was it was a day off or something. And I went out golfing with uh, one of the guys in the cast. We were sharing an apartment together. So we went golfing and then we came back to our apartment. We were going to go to dinner um so he got in like the shower first or no i got in the shower first and and while i was in the shower he was hitting golf balls into the refrigerator and and of our apartment and they were like bouncing over his head um and 
we did that a lot by the way and okay. like we, we were we were roommates like in, in like every city and we would always like we were big golf people and so we would always like hit the ball into like the refrigerator and have it bounce over our head and stuff and so i got done he went to the shower i got dressed i took my golf club and i started doing the same thing and i smacked a nine iron and i i caught it a little too thin or uh you know shut the face a little bit and it went into the refrigerator and came right back into my eye, oh, hit me right in the eye. Oh, no. and I instantaneously went blind like literally like within a second like everything went it went oh, white oh no and I I freaked out I like ran to the fridge I couldn't see anything I opened up like the freezer grabbed ice threw it on my face I went to the to the bathroom and I was like dumb 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 you gotta take me to the hospital you gotta take me to the hospital I've been in the emergency room 37 times in my life. I've broken every <laughs> single bone. I've been stitched up more times than you could possibly imagine. This was the most scared I've ever been. Wow. Um, so I, so long story short, I was blind in both eyes for four days and my oh. right eye and my right eye for two weeks. Um, oh my God. I, I had a severe hyphema. I had a tear in my retina, I, I, but uh. I had to like, I had to sit. I wasn't allowed to lay down or stand because of the pressure for, uh, for 48 hours. I wasn't allowed to, to just move. I just had to sit And every hour I had to put drops in my eyes. So I had like just an alarm that would go off like every hour. I couldn't, I couldn't watch TV. Couldn't like, I couldn't dial the number on the phone. We didn't have Siri then, you know what I mean? Like it was, uh, so yeah, it was, it was pretty, so I have wow. a golf in. That's my golf story. Do you ever think of starting a Broadway golf league? Well, I, I I host the the own group. I ha- mm-hmm. I host the uh, the Broadway golf outing every year, which is, which is okay. a charity oh. a charity golf event that we've done. We've uh, done four times and um, four years in a row. And it's you know we raise all the money for Actors Equity, um, uh, Broadway Cares, um, and yeah, it's a lot of fun. You, we get like 80 golfers from you know the industry you know crew guys and cast musicians wow. and, and uh we raise you know a bunch of money for uh for a good cause so yeah that's Beautiful. awesome when, when did you guys start it when did you start it uh we started it during matilda no after matilda because but me and one of the guys in matilda scott differed uh he and i started it i want to say Oh no, I was doing Bronx Tales. So 2016. I think Jersey Boys was all the tight harmonies. Was that the hardest show musically that you've had to do? No. No? Hardest show musically I've ever done is a show called Avenue X. It's an opera that wow. uh, takes place in the same time period. It's about uh, this Italian boy who wants to sing he and his friends do a doo-wop group and he he goes down don't want to be more than that they just want to sing in the corner and he like it's really important to him and he would go down to the sewers and sing because the acoustics were good and one day he meets this uh african-american boy who who's in down there singing as well uh they become friends they realize that together they sound better than any other combination of voices but obviously the racial doesn't go well and they try and they become friends but you know obviously it's it's not an easy thing and then it gets it gets very dramatic and someone dies and blah 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 i'm not oh, gonna shit. tell you who but maybe it was me um <laughs> yeah no it, it, and honestly it was one of the the most awesome 
experiences and shows that that I've uh, that I've ever done. It was it was very very cool, but incredibly demanding vocally. Sure. Uh, you know, you're thirty three songs. Every song you're in because you're the, you're the orchestra. You know, if you're not singing lead, you're singing backup. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Wow. Um, so that's so because the there there's so much going on you know backstage with um with 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 everyone else you know everyone is doubling everyone is doubling everyone in jersey yeah i was going to say that in jersey boys they were really ron melrose you know he he's the smartest guy in the room i always say that um uh but he he did this amazing job of of arranging it so like I'm a tenor, but I don't sing tenor on every song in that show because they just had it where they didn't want, he didn't want anyone's voice to get worn out. So one number you'll be singing tenor, the next number you'll be singing bass, the next number you'll be singing baritone. Like we're kind of all over the map so that it's vocal preservation. And, and there is, there's so much doubling that we don't have to sing hard in the show. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the key too. It's like a lot of the stuff, you know, that you can sing, you have to sing really hard, you know, like when you're, when you're a tenor and you're a rock tenor, oh you're generally, scre- you're generally screaming your face <laughs> off, you know, uh, that, that's, that's kind of what I do. So it's when, it, when you get to do a show where you can kind of lay back and just like blend, cause that's really the, the, the key in, in that show is blending. Uh, it's not, it's, it's not quite as demanding. And you, you've sang in so many different styles and so many different, ranges throughout your career like is it you know having to sing in oz versus having to sing in the 50s 60s versus having to sing um in you know the early 2000s like you did in legally blonde is there a difference in how you had to you know craft each performance vocally yeah i mean we you have to sort of educate yourself on the sound you know it's in and a good arranger and a good, obviously, composer and a good musical director uh, helps with that. But, you know, it's your job to do the work as well. Sure. Um, you know, when you listen to the sounds and the way that that people sang in the 50s, it's just everyone sang differently. Like every, they, everyone sang the same then. But they all sing completely different than the way people sing now. Right. 90s, you know, uh, you know, serious is like this total you know cheesy pop tune right so it's like got that sort of vibe with some you know riffs and you know kind of like and they're supposed to be weird riffs too like that was kind of like the like kind of the joke in it but um uh and and then you have like obviously the the 90s or that was early 2000s but then like the 90s uh you know vibe that was going on with uh rent you know or late 80s you know early 90s vibe that was going on with rent um the rock and you have to sort of associate yourself with the with the sound and the time of the sounds and oz oz was its own thing you know like oz you sort of have to just you just have to find that one for yourself because <laughs> you're like where do i where do i put this magical world where do i where does this magical world land on the spectrum well, well, thank and you was, for, for kind of breaking but, that down too. Yeah, Divi, go ahead. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, was was Aida because the the rock you were singing as Radames and Aida was that similar to what you were doing had to do in the Wedding Singer? No, mm-hmm. no. Uh, uh, 
wedding singer is 80s you know i mean that's yeah. that's that's just thinking about like 80s that's thinking like robert plant you know what i mean mm-hmm. like that's like yeah. thinking like there's a lot of it there's a lot of a, a attack on it but it there's not it's not it's not rock attack it's not like that like even though rock songs have a lot of attack because there's that grit and there's that growl and this and that like uh 80s style music and even all about the green it's it's got this sort of like i don't know attitude it's it's got this like like you want to like have like this going on with your neck right like as you're doing it like like that's what's going on in your head right like so like that's what's going on um yeah so you so that's that's sort of where i put that um and rod amazed me that that show that show was a hard show vocally Mm -hmm. um and uh but God, what amazing music. I love singing that music. Uh, some of the best songs ever. Uh, but yeah, so that that one, again, obviously you're singing rock music in a time period that, you know, didn't have rock music. Didn't but. have rock music. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But, but you can also gauge that by, you know, the dichotomy there. You're going, okay, so we're trying to say that these are different people. How far can we go? She's going to sing a gospel song, you know, the guys love Nubia and she's going to let you have it. And you're going to get that sort of, you know, gospel church thing. And then how, how do you oppose that? You, you go with this sort of, you know, rock Bon Jovi esque, you know, complete <laughs> opposite, you know, vibe. And that's how you find these two different characters. And a lot of it goes into that musically. Yes, there's just so much that you've done. So, of course, you know, a a lot of people first know you from Lily Blonde, mostly because that's what most people have had access to because it was on MTV and it's one of the biggest things on on YouTube and everything too. But what is a show that you wish people would recognize you for? Other than, well, including everything that you've done, but is there something that you you wish people didn't miss? Uh, Well, I mean... I don't know. Uh, gosh, that's a tough question. I think, um, I, I mean, I love a Bronx tale. Like I, I, again, like right now, I just, that one is, if people, more people got to see it, I think I would be happier. Cause I really mm-hmm. wish that it, it, it had more of a life to it on Broadway. Um, yeah, I think it was a tough year to come in, you know, the, the, the year after Hamilton decimated Broadway yeah. um, and, and basically <laughs> closed <laughs> like 12 shows. I mean, yeah. if you think about it, of the shows that came in to, to Broadway in that season, uh, we were the third, there were 14 new shows, new mm-hmm. musicals that came in and we were the third to last show to close. Uh, so in the grand scheme of things, we did better than, than shows and we weren't nominated for a single Tony. So uh, you like, weren't nominated for a drama desk though. Nick was, I was not. No, no. Oh, Nick was the only person who, who was nominated in the, in the, in the whole show. So uh, it, it, to, to think that with zero publicity, we didn't do the Macy's day parade. We didn't do uh, you know, obviously we didn't perform in the Tony awards. Like all of those things are huge in the publicity world. Like right. they garner so many tickets and we lasted longer than all of the shows that did except for dear Evan Hansen and uh, come from away mm-hmm. and uh, whatever the third one was. I don't remember, but. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for the insight. Cause I don't think a lot of people knew that about a Bronx tale. 
It is a shame. So it was, when did it was the a good tour show. stop, though? The tour? Well, well they, they the first, the first show, yeah, the our leg stopped. Um, I don't know. It was it was just a nine month. It was only supposed to be nine months. Mm-hmm. So oh, okay. whenever we whenever we started, it stopped nine months after that. Okay. <laughs> okay. Do, do you think maybe it would come back on tour? Uh, I don't know. Or in regional uh, Yeah. I hope so. I'd like the I world. I hope so least. too. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it should have been shelved. Well, you want to know why? Because okay, this is interesting too. Because in this in the vein of of Jersey Boys and a Bronx Tale. Like, here's the thing, at least with, I'm, I'm Italian, very Italian, and like everyone in my main circle, like in Long Island, in the city, and in Florida, which is basically the sixth borough, A Bronx Tale is the last movie on everyone's favorite mob movie list. Absolutely. It's not up there. So, but the fact that that's how it is in the movie world. and Because it's not a mob movie. Because it's not a mob movie. Right. I say that all the time. Like, it's not a mob movie. It's a a movie about family. Right. Literally, the heart of this movie is about family. And and that that is sunny, too. It's this boy is is torn between two father figures. And he's torn between, like, the, the father figure that he he should be and the father figure he wants to be you know what i mean right. like yeah uh, and so it's really a coming of age story it is not a mob movie you mm. know uh and and Chaz will be the first one to tell you that you know what i mean he's he's like i've done mob movies this was not a mob movie <laughs> right so it's like yes the mob has something to do with it but at the end of the day it's his life story he didn't he didn't right. grow up in the mob yes he was befriended by this by this mob boss and mm-hmm. he meant a lot to him and 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 they had this amazing relationship for for years and years and years and years but he wasn't in the mob you know what i mean and he he could be the first person to tell you that and it's it is it is a it is a, a story about family and about choices and about at the end of the day like this the part in the bronx tale where he you know sunny didn't pull him out of the car right in real life in in, oh, in the okay. in the show, Sonny pulls him out of the car. In real life, he made the choice to not get it. He got in the car and he was like, "Guys, I gotta get out. I I, okay. I don't want. I'm not gonna." He he made a choice to not to not do it, and all his friends died, right? Mm-hmm. So and that all is real, and so to him, the story is about this. You know, it's a coming of age story. It's about choices and it's about family, and it, it's about love from different places. Uh, you know, oh. um, obviously the relationship that he that there were different relationships that he you know has had so um so yeah so i think that's why it's so low on on so many because it's not because it's it's not not, because if you say what you know if you put it on your mob movie like now almost all italians who grew up in those neighborhoods it's low on their mob list but they've all seen the movie they all love the movie you know what i mean like yes uh so so yeah I guess that's what I'm saying. But they don't, category. but they just don't think of it as a mob movie. You know what I mean? Right. No, but that's why I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't really list it on my favorite mob movies. You know what I mean? Well, well what was right. it like working with De Niro and uh, yeah. Chaz? Uh, well, Chaz is awesome. I mean, Chaz. I mean, I literally talk to Chaz on the daily. Like literally, like we're very really? close. You know, uh, I think he was uh, at every nice. show I was at too. Yeah, he he. Mob, yeah. I mean, we're. I mean, we're very very very. I can't emphasize that enough. Like we're very close. So. Uh, so he he's he's the best, you know. Like working with him is awesome. He's just the best dude. Um, and De Niro, it was a dream come true, you know. You're getting Aww. to to 
to work and learn from the best. And, and he's this far away from you. Cause he gets up close whenever he wants to tell you something and talk to you and give you a note or whatever. He like, you know, he gets up close. Like, okay. So listen, when you're doing this, right. When you're doing the scene, right. Like maybe, you, maybe, you, maybe you hold the money like this. Maybe, you, maybe you hold it like, like a, like this, like a wide, right. Cause that's how you do it. You know, you know, you're not going to fold it like this. Right. It's like, it's like, it's all very intimate. It's all very close. Right. So, um, uh, you know, I mean, look, this was a master class. Like that's the funny thing too. I think, and I think that a lot of ways, I don't know. I think we got a bad rap because of the expectations. Um, I mean, we had everyone. We got Sergio. We got Jerry Zachs and Bob De Niro, the two legends working on this together, you know. And you got, uh, you know, Alan Menken. I mean, the 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 egot, you know, like yes. writing the songs. And I mean, you can't ask for more of a dream team. So. Uh, so yeah, it was it was literally like going to, to like class every day. That's what I that's the way I kind of associate it. Well, take take a lot of notes, kids. You get to work with you get to work with people like that. Make sure you're paying attention. That's all I'm gonna say. Take mental pictures. So many people yeah. in Jersey Boys. Yeah. You know, about the time that Jersey Boys was closing on Broadway. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, uh, it, it's a logical uh transition because you're looking for Italians and you're looking for Italians who know how to play characters no from the sixties, from the sixties. And, <laughs> and, you know, you have the doo-wops, you're looking for tight harmonies. I mean, it all kind of makes sense. You don't have to go much further. It's an easy right. casting call mm-hmm. and it's the same producers and, exactly. and creative and creative dreams. So like I said, mm-hmm. nepotism has its way, you know, they're like, <laughs> well, shoot, we had everybody we need right there. Why? Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's why I I have so much respect for the Dodgers, because if you think about it, like beginning with Jersey Boys, this the four seasons never won a Grammy and they made one of the most successful Broadway shows worldwide about that band who was like, of course, so popular, but they never won. And they won the Grammy for the cast album, which is so interesting. Well, think think about this, Mm -hmm. Bob Gaudio and, and, and Frankie Valli made more money off of the Broadway show of Jersey Boys than they ever did as the group, the Four Seasons. Yep. Isn't that sick? So, Crazy. I mean, it kind of yeah. puts things into perspective, right? Wow. It's like, it does. And, it and does. they're one of literally the most iconic groups of all, all time. time it, it pays right. to go to jail. Right? right. <laughs> you know what I mean? There you go. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Yes, but they did the same thing with, with the Bronx. They take chances on on these stories and i just well, i hope that there's a chance know, for bronx tale to come speaking of the over. dodgers you know and and bringing this all full, full circle my wife and i met in a show produced by the dodgers footloose really? was produced by the dodgers so yes it was i have i have i have the dodgers to thank for a lot so Aww, Aww. A salute. that's awesome yes <laughs> a salute. A salute. well you know what david howard i think this is a beautiful place to wrap to up, wrap up Thank you so much, Richard H. My Blake, pleasure. Coming on the Zoom what fun. Yeah. And don't forget to check check me out on uh, on The Bite Season 1. Uh, it's a new TV show on Spectrum. Ayo. Uh, starting, okay. starting next Friday on May 21st. Yeah. So, what? The uh, Bite, the bite yeah. on Spectrum. Check out Richard H. If Blake. you love theater, you guys are going to love the show. It's it's uh, it, it's Audra McDonald, Will Swenson, <gasps> Come on. Uh, Rob, ah! McClure, Rob McClure, Taylor Schilling. Uh, who else is in it? Uh, Jackie Hoffman. Uh, 
I mean, it's it's oh literally just goodness. stacked with with, wow. with theater people. Wow. Uh, Nikki James actually directed um, a lot of the episodes. Uh, I mean, it, I, yeah, it's uh, that's wow. sick. All right, so everyone, check out check out the bite on Spectrum, the starring bite. a slew of a Broadway slew stars. of Broadway stars, yeah. <laughs> and and um, check out Richard H. Blake on Instagram. Check him out on YouTube, anywhere. Like, listen to his cast Buy album. Cameo, Broadway Booker, Cam- Broadway Plus. I don't know. Everywhere. I'm trying to Just remember all the things that I'm supposed to plug. And this is <laughs> this has been another installment of Silhouette's JB Podcast. You can find us wherever you can listen to podcasts on Spotify, iTunes, um, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker. Follow us on Instagram at SilhouettesJBPodcast underscore. Can't forget about the underscore. Join our Facebook group, SilhouettesJBPodcast group. And and thank you to Anchor because it would not be Anchor. here without we you distributing us to everyone. And a salute. Did you have all that memorized? We've done it a million times. <laughs> that, was, that was impressive. That was impressive. Thank thanks, you. Thanks, thanks for having me, guys. Of course. <laughs> <laughs>